Amen, everyone. You can go ahead and have a seat. Oh, sorry, Robbie. That's all right. Just getting in your way. Never get in the way of the drummer. He'll beat you up. That was terrible. Hey, Danny, you want to flip on the lights back there? And um, Hey, welcome to Church Project. We're glad that you are here. You guys look good. Everyone's looking good. You feeling alive this morning? Everyone feeling good? Okay. Well, hey, if you need a Bible, go ahead and grab a Bible. They're on the lamps. Uh, there's some in the back. And we also have the Version app, so you can open up your Version app, and our notes are on there as well. Uh, we really believe that studying the Bible is important. So here's the deal. If you own one, bring it. It's pretty, pretty good. If you don't need, if you don't have one, you can take one of ours. It's, it's yours to keep. Uh, but we are going to be looking at Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 16. We're just going sequentially through Luke, and we've made it all the way to Luke chapter 6. Um, we're taking bets uh, as to when we're actually going to finish the book of Luke. Uh, but, but I'm not in any rush. Are you, is anyone in a rush here? We're, we're, we're going to keep looking through Luke, and we're going to go through this. In the fall, we're going to take a little break, and we're going to do uh, a series on on neighboring and, and what it means to be neighbors and what, what's exciting about that for me one of the really cool things is we there's uh, 20 I think it's 25 churches right now in Greeley uh, we've been meeting together all the pastors and stuff been meeting together and talking about this series and so we're gonna you're gonna hear a lot about this in, in Greeley just the art of being a good neighbor and we're all going through this this whole series together so isn't that a cool picture of the body of Christ it's just not happening here it's happening all over the place you know I look out and I even see a, a couple here from um, Church Project Southlands. Welcome, welcome. Oh, sorry, Jesus. I shouldn't clap. You know, my, my bad. That was a thunder. So, uh, you know, we're part of Church Project Network. We have Church Project down in the woodlands, and they're rocking and rolling. They're doing great. We're, we're killing it here. We've been here for two years. Southlands is going to start. They had their barbecue this last, uh, this last week. They've kind of getting together casually. So, man, God's doing some really, really cool stuff here, and it's good to see you guys. I'm, I'm glad that you are here. Yeah, okay, let's jump right into Luke. And... Um, um, by the way, I just love this stage. Eric Voter built this this week. It feels a lot better. It feels like I'm not having to kiss on Robbie and stuff. So, anyways, uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 12 through 16. I want to read it, uh, and, and then we'll begin to just dive into this thing. So, one of, one of those days, verse 12, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated. Apostles. Verse 14. Simon, who he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the, Ze the Zealot. Verse 16. Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. One thing you'll learn about me, uh, Aaron Havens, is uh, I announced for the University of Northern Colorado wrestling team. And it's probably one of the worst things I could ever do, because I love wrestling. I, I love it. But if there's a name, I'll butcher it. So I probably butchered some of these names in here, but that's all right. We, we got the idea. I, I, I kind of want to talk about this a little bit. Luke, we've been looking through this, and to kind of review a little bit, Luke is a doctor. He's, he's very organized. Like He crosses every T and dots every I. He, he's pretty intellectual, kind of like Jeremiah. You and I, we got that same thing going right there. So you know, we, we've, got, we've got Luke who's writing, and he's writing to uh, Theophilus, and he's writing so that Theophilus, a high Roman official, would know the things of Jesus, that he would know his life. And as church project, 
project. We're pretty new. We're going on a year and a half, going on two years here. And we thought, what a better way to start teaching than going through the book of Luke and looking at the life of Jesus. So we have Luke, the doctor. He's writing to Theophilus about the things of God. Uh, If you've done much study in the Bible, you'll see that Luke also wrote Acts. It's kind of like a follow-up to uh, this book right here. And one of the things that we'll see is that we'll see Jesus living life on earth as a man. So what, what does that mean? It means God came down and became man. So we can begin to talk about the Trinity and God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we see here in the writings of Luke, God coming down and being man. This right here sets Christianity apart from a lot of different religions in the world. For, for example, Mormons. Okay, Mormons, they believe that Joseph Smith got insight, and, and as a man, you can then become a god. And so it's kind of reverse order. And, and then we have Muslims, and a lot of that, they'll say that Jesus is a good prophet. But as we look at the Bible and we begin to study this, we fully believe that Jesus, a God, became man and walked earth. And as we look through Luke, we can see how we can pattern our life after his life. So Jesus became fully human. And we look at verse 12. He says, One of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. So being fully human, when was the last time you prayed all night long. When was the last time you prayed just passionately for an hour long without any distractions or thoughts going elsewhere? We could begin to ask a lot of questions right here. We see Jesus. It says, uh, He prayed all night long. If, if, if you've studied the Bible, you'll know that there's two sections to the Bible. There's an Old Testament. There's a New Testament. And the Old Testament is, is, a, is a word for a covenant. Testament is a word for a covenant. So that's the Old Covenant. It based a lot on law and ritual and, and stuff we had to do. Then, then we get into the New Testament, the New Covenant, which is Jesus Christ showing up on the scene. And He's a sacrifice for us because we've, we've done wrong and we've chosen to go our own way. And so in this New Covenant, this New Testament, Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice for us. And his life right now, he's living up to the point where he dies on the cross and he gives that ultimate sacrifice for us. And we have now the new covenant. So we see here Jesus. He's out on the mountainside. He's praying. I don't know. Is he he tempted to go to sleep? Do you think he could get tired? Probably so. Could he get distracted? Probably so. He's fully human and he's God. So... As we look at this, one of the questions I ask in verse 12 is, why would Jesus pray? And in essence, it could be the same question for all of us. Why why would we pray? We see multiple places in Scripture where Jesus is praying. He's praying passionately. Why would He pray? Well, 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, Cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. It's such a beautiful promise for us as Christians. And here we see Jesus. He has cares, a lot of cares. And what is he doing? He's going to a mountainside and he's praying. And what is he doing? As a fully human God, he is casting his cares upon Jesus who care or upon God who cares for him. How about you? How about you and I? 
Do we cast our cares upon Jesus? See, Jesus knows His Father cares for Him, and He also knows this. He knows that He's not going to make a decision unless God directs Him in that decision. So the question for us as we look at this, Jesus is out praying on the mountainside all night long, is a pretty simple question. And it's one that, that I ask a lot is, but do you pray? Really? Like just plain and simple. Do you pray? Would you have much to say to Jesus if it was a one-on-one conversation for an hour? Would you run out of things to talk about? Let alone all night long? For some of us, if, if we can be completely honest, prayer is something that's kind of awkward to us. Something we, we can't really grasp. It doesn't fully make sense. I mean, we read it in the Bible. We see it. I mean, Jesus did it. We know we should. But quite honestly, when we go to do it, it's just kind of awkward. And we get distracted. And it's a great way just to fall asleep. So I don't know if, if any of you are, are in this category right here. Some of us actually feel like we can't really approach God because our lives aren't lined up with Him. As in we're doing stuff that we're ashamed of or, you know, we just, we feel dirty or something. It feels like we can't approach God. If that's you, can I give you this verse? Hebrews 4.16 says we can approach the throne of grace and freedom. Beautiful. God wants to hear from us. So if you're, if you're all tied up or worried about prayer, do this. Just shake it off a little bit. Just shake it off and just say, Your God, Father, who made everything, wants to hear from you. And you can approach His throne room with grace and with freedom. Isn't that a beautiful promise? Yes. Praying is simply this. It's talking with God. Listening to His voice, communicating to Him. We see bumper stickers that, are, that I really like, and they're getting to be more and more, but it says, you know, Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. And I'm like, I love it. I, I won't get that bumper sticker, but I love, the, I love it. Because Christianity is about a relationship. It's not about a religion. If you have been able to come and be part of our first Wednesdays, we had one just this last week, and we've been putting a lot of emphasis on prayer. We together, as, as a body, an ecclesia, we're moving together trying to figure out what it means to pray together. Sometimes it's a little awkward, isn't it? But it's good to push forward and to seek God and to say, God, we can boldly come to you with grace and with freedom and we can ask and we can cast our cares upon you. And when I think of a God that wants to hear from me, I love it. I love, of a, of a, I love God that he wants to hear from me. Jesus, if we look right here, what does he do? We know that he's about to make an incredibly big decision coming up in verse 13. But what does he do? In today's words, this is what he does. He unplugs, right? He goes, okay, I need to go away for the night and I need to unplug. I need to get away from my emails. I need to get away from my phone. I need to get away from my computer. I need to get away from the TV, the internet, and all the voices in my head. I need to unplug and I need to go seek God. I need to go talk with Him and I need to work on this relationship because I'm about to have to make an incredibly big decision. Jesus prayed all night. At other times in the Bible, you even see that Jesus prayed with so much agony, with so much pain, that He sweat blood drops because He was praying so hard. I've never prayed anything like that. I I never have. 
And the question I have to ask myself oftentimes is, do I get alone to pray with God? And I'll ask this of you. Jesus went away to go pray. Do you get alone to pray? Sometimes we call it a prayer closet or whatever you want to call that. I can think of multiple places that I've lived. One of the weirdest places that I would go alone to pray, and I, and I don't do it all the time, but I've, I've had a pretty good pattern in my life of having a spot kind of designated as my prayer place. And Miami was the weirdest place I had. I couldn't find any cool place to go pray. You know, it's not like Colorado. You can just you know, walk outside. My, in the middle of Miami, it was under an interstate bridge. And so I would, I would go there. I was half praying for my life that I wouldn't get beat up. But that, that's where, that was my prayer spot. I knew that right there, that's where I would go, and I would do nothing else. I mean, cell phones weren't really out yet. But I could, I could go hang out under that interstate, and I could just let, listen to the cars going overhead, and I could just pray, and not was my special spot to pray. I found a lot of different places. There's actually a prayer garden across the street um, at a church from my house. It's, it's really kind of neat. I never see anyone in there, but I'm always there. I, I go there. I love it. Little waterfall. It's kind of, you know, serene. You know, it's, it's nice and beautiful. And There's nothing special about those places, but for me, you know what it does? It just sets my mentality up that when I go here, there's nothing else. I don't take my phone. You can't get a hold of me. This is where I'm praying. And I love to have those things set up. Now God says, go throughout your day and pray and talk and make it part of your life. But I want to ask us a question today. Is, do we have a place to get alone and to pray? If not, maybe you should consider making one. Finding one. Go on a walk. In your car. Swimming. Whatever it may be. Find a place to get alone and pray from God. Because this is what I found in my life. And it's very true. That if I don't pray. If you don't pray. If we don't pray. And we don't get away from the voices of the world. Then we'll never hear the voice of God. That's true. If you don't get away. And if I don't get away from the voices of the world. We will never hear the voice of God in our life. There'll be too much distraction going on in our head. Can anyone relate? Yeah. So we see Jesus. He goes away for the night. He prays. You get to verse 13. And this is, uh, this is a powerful little, powerful little couple verses right here. It's easy to overlook and go, oh, well, he prayed and found 12 people and kind of chose them as his disciples. It's, it's easy to kind of see that at face value. But if you will really hit pause on this and think on this, this is a very profound moment in the life of Jesus. He's making one of the biggest decisions of his life right now. Because what is he doing? In essence, he's a rabbi. He's a teacher. And it was customary for rabbis and teachers that they would choose students to follow them. Okay, why would you choose a student as a rabbi? Because then you would choose him and you would say, Okay, students, I'm teaching you to carry my yoke of teaching forward. I'm teaching, I'm grabbing you, and I want to invest in you as a teacher, as a rabbi, so that when I'm gone and I've passed away, you have the teaching, you have the knowledge, and you can carry it forward. So what is Jesus doing right here? He's picking 12 men out of all the disciples, and he's saying this, I'm hanging the entire future of the church, of my teaching, of everything, on you guys. How incredibly big is that? Talk about pressure. Have you ever had to make a decision that big? 
Maybe, maybe you feel like it. You know, that's an incredibly big pressure right there. He knows that he's picking the future of his church. It says there, if you look at the text, it says that, that there were many disciples, many disciples right there, but he had to go and in the morning he picked 12. You can, you can look and see different reasons why people think he picks 12. Maybe it's to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And so he picked one for every 12. It doesn't, I don't know why he picked 12. I'm not sure what's so magical about the, the number 12. But he did pick them. And not only did he pick those 12, he, he said, You are now my apostles. I am giving you a duty. I'm charging you forward. And I've hand-selected you. That's an incredibly big decision. And so you can see why Jesus, he observed the situation. The situation was this. Many disciples were following him and he needed to pick the the people that were going to carry the church forward. So what did he do after he observed the situation? He went away for the evening and he prayed. He sought after God. He said, God, give me your wisdom. Give me what you would do. And then the next day, what did he do? He woke up and he made a decision. Some of us, this is, this is where it's hard for us. Making that decision. He saw the situation. He sought his father's um, direction. And then he made a decision and went with it. I wonder how, how many disciples the next morning had already given their life to Jesus. They're like, I love this man. I love his teaching. It doesn't say how many there were, but there were many of them. So I wonder how many the next morning when Jesus said, I'll take you, 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 you. All right, come on, you're my 12. I wonder how many of the other people were like, what? Like, <laughs> like what? Jesus prayed. He saw the situation. He prayed and he made a decision. Was, was it a decision that some people probably got jealous of? Yeah? How would you like it if your friend got picked but you didn't get picked? You, were, you did the exact same things. You loved Jesus the exact same way. What, 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 do you think people got jealous? How about Matt? Probably so. But as Jesus went forward and made the decision and people got mad and jealous and whatever, it wasn't his problem. It wasn't his problem. He saw what needed to be done and he made the decision and went forward with it. Along the way, we've already seen Jesus making decisions as we've been studying Luke. And as we keep going through the story, uh, the storyline of Jesus, we'll see how he continues to make tough decisions all along the way. Some people get mad. Some people uh, get angry and, and, and jealous and all that stuff. Uh, but we knew that Jesus needed to make a decision right here and he knew it as well. One of the things that, that I say, especially to Lauren when we're driving <laughs> or to large crowds when we're trying to decide a place to eat, indecision is a terrible thing. Would you agree? There's nothing more frustrating than everyone's like, hey, hey, buddies, all right, what's up? Let's all go out to eat. Everyone's so excited. They're like, you pick a place. No, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? What do you want? Pretty soon you're like, I don't even want to go out to eat anymore. Does someone make a decision? Like, you just make a decision and go with it. Indecision is a terrible thing. It's possible right now that you are facing decisions in your life. Quite possible. Some of them may be small. Some of them may be enormous. First question I want to ask is, have you sought God? Have you got away? Have you been praying to God and asking for His device, or for a device, his, his direction? I was about to say advice. That's not good. Rewind that, okay? 
Have you sought God and asked for His direction? I've found in my life that it's possible that the weight of decisions, W-E-I-G-H-T, the weight of decisions, can cause us to wait, W-A-I-T, too long and not even make a decision. Sometimes when I go up to decisions that are so hard to make or I, I can't even you know, determine what to do, the weight of it just feels crushing and indecision will come in and creep in and I will just begin to wait and not make a decision. Have you ever found yourself there? Where it's like I, sometimes I wait way too long to make a decision and then i got to go back and make a bunch of other decisions just to catch up to something that I should have done a long time ago. If we seek God, He is going to speak to us. That's what this verse says. You can approach His throne room with grace and with freedom. You can ask Him. He will direct and speak to you. And when He does, even if it's a weighty decision, don't wait on that decision. Wake up the next morning and pick your 12. Pick your 12. Whew, man. Maybe you're facing a decision today. Take cues from Jesus as He pulled away and he sought what his God was asking him to do. Psalms 86 could be an incredibly good chapter for you. It has been for me, especially this week. Can I read just the first verse to Psalms 86? It says this, Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Some of us need to go through Psalms 86 this week and let the words just get into our mind and begin to reprogram our mind and reprogram our heart to know that God is he's willing, He's able to listen to you, and He will speak to you if, you if we will seek Him for every decision that we have to make. So as Jesus was picking these disciples, all the names that I butchered in verse 14, okay, as Jesus was picking these disciples, some of them were like, yeah, I recognize that name. Really, like Peter, I built my church upon you, right? Uh, some of us, maybe even bad, you know, Judas, one of them, one of the Judases uh, became a traitor. Some of these names we recognize and they're powerful figures, but other names we look at and we're like, who? Like, oh, okay. If, if Jesus narrowed it down to these 12 people and called them his disciples or apostles, wouldn't you think we would know much about every one of these people? I mean, wouldn't it make sense? As Jesus made this, some of us and humans, sometimes in our lives, when we go to make decisions, will look at us and say, you probably made the wrong choice there. Like, oh, that Judas guy, he's going to go and betray you. Probably not the best choice. Sometimes when we go to make decisions, something that needs to happen in our life, if God speaks it, we need to know that the weight of this needs to happen right now and we need to pull the trigger and be okay, be okay to leave the consequences up to God. Can I say that again? Be okay with leaving the consequences up to God. Sometimes our decisions won't be the popular ones, but they're the ones that God asks of us. In Houston, in Houston, I was a youth pastor of a, of a fairly large church. And I was uh, the youth pastor of a 5th and 6th grade program. 
I was brought on to start up this fifth and sixth grade program. Um, it was great. It was it was awesome. Two years into it, we just we're, we're having huge numbers coming and a lot of energy. If you've ever been in a room full of fifth and sixth graders, oh, it's it's fun. So we started this this event and we call it Three Second. And you've probably heard me speak of this before, but Three Second started with 55 fifth and sixth graders, which already is crazy. It's more than we have in here. Well, yeah, 55 fifth and sixth graders. And we'd have a DJ, you know, doing his thing. We have the, the lights and these jumpy houses and pizza and glow sticks. I mean, it was just a party for the fifth and sixth graders. And the whole key was like, you know, they, we would give them a little ticket and if they brought it back the next morning, you know, they could win a prize. Okay, we won't go there. But this fifth and sixth grade event ended up, it started at 55 students, started growing. Just growing and growing and growing. And within a year, there was 1,100 fifth and sixth graders coming once a month to this event. It, it, it like hit at 1,100. And I was very scared because there was so much movement. There was so much momentum because what else is a fifth and sixth grader going to do? Like, right? Unlimited pizza? Sign me up, right? Free babysitting? Sign me up. And so the, that's what it was, exactly. So it just grew. It never declined. It always grew. And when it hit 1,100, and I already had like 10 cops and, you know, 100 volunteers. And I mean, it was an organizational beast. But as I'm looking at this thing, my prayer, which a long time ago at 55, was God, please, please bring more students. This could be a lot of fun. My prayer honestly became almost desperation. God, if everyone invites one, we're done. Like, I don't know. Like, keep them away. How, how can you pray to keep people away from church? I'm praying that God would keep people away from church. And, and as this event was growing, everyone's like, this is awesome. I was getting all this publicity and everything. And I just knew. I just knew as I sought God that it was done. It was time to close it down. And so we canned it. But without notice, done. We had people show up the next month all excited, like, sorry, done. And what? Everyone's getting mad and angry. This is awesome. We're going to take over the world. I'm like, no, taking over the world. We're done. And it was a hard decision to make because it was so energizing. It was so cool. But I knew, and our leaders knew, that its moment was over and God was moving us on to something else. Sometimes our decisions are not going to be popular. I remember praying about our family moving to Mexico. Whew. My mom, specifically, was like, why are you taking my two granddaughters to Mexico? That wasn't a very popular decision. How many decisions have you and I had to make in our life where maybe even the people we love the most are right there saying, you can't do it, you shouldn't do it, don't do it. Are we okay with praying and leaving the consequences up to God? Jesus is praying. He's looking at all his, these, these disciples and he says, I'm narrowing it down to 12. Who are they? God shows him. He goes out and he does it. He doesn't let the weight of it cause him to wait and not do it. He does it the next morning. Do you have choices that need to be made in your life right now? Will you push on on your own strength like I have tended to do often in my life? Oh, decision time? I'm a leader. Done. But all along, I've neglected seeking God and His guidance. Are you seeking His guidance? Some of the biggest mistakes have happened in my life when I've pushed forward 
on my own strength. Can anyone relate to that? I would like, uh, right now, since we're talking about prayer, let's stop talking about prayer. Let's do it. Is that okay? Yes. If, if we could, just close your Bibles, shut down your version app. Um, I'm going to ask CJ even to come up here, and, and I, I think we can enter into a really special time of prayer. And I'm not sure what that's going to look like for you. Um, I'm not going to tell you, do this, do this, and do this. What I am going to say is, make this a special time between you and God. Um, so maybe just, just close your eyes right now and let God begin to speak to you. And meditate on some of these words. And, and I'll give us a couple of questions that, that, that we can think about. But as I was preparing this message, I, my prayer was that the Holy Spirit would be so thick in here that each and every one of us in this room would be changed. Like it's possible to come in here, hear incredible truth and, and not be changed. That's completely possible. But this morning, my prayer is that each and every one of us would be changed, that God would whisper beautiful things in our ears. Here's some things to, to think about. What do you need to say to God about your prayer life? Just, just right now. You and, and God. What do you need to tell Him about your prayer life? Maybe it's an honest confession and just say, God, I don't even know how to pray. I don't want to pray. Be honest with Him. Ask Him to show you how to pray. Ask Him to tug at your heartstrings so you'll have the desire to pray. Just, just right now in this place, just quietly to yourself. We see that Jesus, when he prayed, God spoke to him that night. And who knows how deep their conversation went, how beautiful it was. But it ended in Jesus acting. Do you and I trust God enough to act? seeking Him for decisions? Do we trust Him enough to act off of what He tells us, what He shows us? Maybe right now you can ask Him, say, God, you know the decision I need to make right now. Would you please give me clarity, give me insight, let me know what you want me to do. For some of us, we already know that that decision is a big decision. God wants you to do, but, but man, maybe it's a, you lack a little bit of faith on actually doing it because it's so big. So in here, just pray that God will increase your faith. It helps me just to hold out my hands with my palms open and say, God, I receive the word that you're telling me. I receive that. I want to hear from you today, God. You can have that conversation with God.
another question to, to think about is, are you leaving the consequences up to God? Sometimes it's hard to act when God speaks to us because we know that it's not going to be popular. Family members may even question why we're doing something. It doesn't make complete sense. You know, we think of Jesus in the garden before he dies. He's praying to God, saying, God, if there's any other way, take this from me. I don't want to go to the cross and die. Are we trusting God and leaving the consequences up to him? Are we willing to obey him no matter the cost? So maybe we can ask him this morning that he would give us boldness and peace about what we know we need to do, what he's asked us to do. Just say, God, please give me a boldness and a peace to follow what you're asking. there's some of us in here that need to step out in faith and in Christ today. Like maybe this is our first time to, to a church gathering. Maybe we've been running from God. And in this room, we're beginning to realize that God is chasing after us. His love for us is undying. It will never stop. He's chasing after us. And we can feel it right now because God's just tugging on our and for some of us in this room, we need to surrender our life to Him and say, God, here is my life. Take it. On my own, I've chosen to go my own way and it's been ugly and full of pride. And God, I don't want to live a life like that separate from You. But God, I want to walk with You. I want You to guide my life. So maybe for some of us in this room, our big decision is decision ever, and that is to give our life to Jesus Christ, to surrender control to Him today. There's a lot we can pray about, and the good news is, you can pray directly to God today. So I'm going to ask if you would, just, just stand up right where you're at. continue to pray together and worship together. Over on your right, there's communion. Communion is a beautiful representation of Jesus and how he died on the cross for us. He broke his body. He spilled his blood to be that final sacrifice, the new covenant of love. So we wouldn't have to die for our consequences of sin separated from Him. So communion is a, is a beautiful thing that I would invite you to participate in this morning. And you'll just simply walk over to the table back there and pick up a piece of bread that represents His body. And dip it in the grape juice that represents His blood. And just thank Him for the sacrifice that He's made on our behalf. Some of us, our prayer and our worship will continue into tithing, giving generously of what God asks and has given us. For some of us, it's response cards. So we can go and write our prayer requests.
for some of us? No, God's tugging on our heart right now, and we need someone to pray with. We have Danny up here on your right. He would love to pray with you about anything and everything. For some of us, it's just standing here, holding our hands up, and singing these songs, and saying, God, you're beautiful, you are life, crying out to him, and saying, I surrender control of my life, my decisions, the consequences of everything. God, I give it to you, because you're just that powerful. Let me pray for us as we get into this time of worship and prayer. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us direct access to you. And we can talk to you anytime about anything. And God, you want to hear that. I pray in this room you fill it with the Holy Spirit right now and begin to tug on our hearts and that we will have an intimate time with you in this place. Thank you.